Hockey fans, it's time for Talking Hockey, the Hockey Talking Show here on UMFM 101.5 in Winnipeg, podcasted anywhere and everywhere. It's uh, Season 5, Episode 22, an episode we're going to call The Baumgartner, as in Kenny Baumgartner, The Bomber, Kenny James, uh, Lynn Flan, uh legend, I would say, uh, famous number 22, um, We'll get into him. It's co-host Tom here uh, with you, as always. And uh, I've got co-host Jared here, uh, just uh, getting some refreshments. Uh, got to stay hydrated. How you doing today, Jared? Very good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, not too shabby. A couple of nagging injuries that I'm nursing um, now that hockey season is pretty much over. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, spring league will start up in, at some point, but I've got a little bit of time to maybe, uh, you know, get get back to 75 percent well you know tom uh beer league hockey is not a young man's game and (laughs) uh you got to take these these uh precious days and weeks before the spring season kicks off to uh, get yourself back to right that's right yeah uh, yeah so it'll be a lot of uh r and r um maybe i'll go see a couple professionals to Work out a few kinks, and uh, then we'll hit the ice, and away we go. Um, there you go. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, like uh, Kenny Baumgartner, the bomber. Um, we were doing a little bit of research before the the show here, before we started recording, and, uh, I mean, this, is, this guy's a character. Yeah. Like, I remember him. I'm going to just say, like, I mainly remember Ken Baumgartner. We're in number 22 for the Toronto Maple Leafs in the early 90s because when it was Hockey Night in Canada as the only hockey game on TV during the week, you know, um, it was always the Leafs pretty much. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he was a staple of those teams in the early 90s um, flying down the wing with that blow just flowing and the he, crushing body checks. And uh, he wasn't afraid to drop the mitts. Uh, no, no, he (laughs) certainly was not. Uh, so he, uh, Toronto was his longest stint. He played with the Leafs from 91, 92 through 95, 96, Mm -hmm. uh, over his 12 year career, he, uh, amassed, uh, 2,242 minutes in penalties. (laughs) Not bad. Not bad. bad. It's good work. It's good work by the bomber, uh, put up, uh, 13 goals, 41 assists for a, a tidy 54 points. That's uh, over 696 career regular season games. Yeah. Uh, uh, he is he is the only player in NHL history to play a full 82-game season and record only one point in said season. Nice. So uh, that happened in 91-92, uh, and he also put up uh, no, that was 97-98. Sorry, 97-98. With Boston. With Boston. Great. But he did put up 199 minutes in penalties, so that's that's yeah. great. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's pretty good, though. He played all 82 for the Bruins that year. Yeah. Um, I mean, in those days, your enforcers, as as uh, Kenny James was, you know, he was. Uh, they often didn't play every game. No. Nope. Um, you know, often suspensions and injury would uh take a toll on a guy and his games played I'll I I will add he played he added 51 career playoff games uh and three points to uh to his resume yes um so yeah but so you know obviously Baumgartner um noted for his uh 
knuckles, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, maybe equally <laughs> as well noted uh, for his amazing hockey hair, but his his love of hard rock and uh, heavy metal. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. So let's just uh, let the listeners in on um, some of this fun information we kind of dug up on on the bomber um so he recorded a charity well no it wasn't like a charity well no proceeds went to uh a charity so i guess it was but he recorded uh an album well an ep i guess we could call it or a single Mm -hmm. yes um three songs yeah uh on caroline records noted home of the misfits i think in the early days yeah, uh, I don't know who else would be on that label, but uh, uh, so pretty... so so Caroline so Caroline was kind of a of a distributor for a number of different sort of labels. It was kind of like an umbrella thing. So yeah. this record, uh, the called uh, Bomber, Ken, uh, Gart- Ken Baumgartner Bomber came out in 1990 on Metal Blade Records, which is a label that is actually still around. And uh, it featured, uh, so he and the guy who ran ran the label, uh, a guy named Brian Slagle, became friends because Slagle was a big hockey fan. And yeah. so... And Bob uh, Gardner was playing for the Islanders at this time, so probably... You know, Ben Blade, I think it must be a New York City. Yeah. Label. And so so he uh, well, it so it came came about sort of towards the tail end of his career with the Kings. And they kind of they came up with this idea, putting on a single for charity. And so they brought in a bunch of uh, actual metal musicians, including members of Armored Saint, Suicidal Tendencies, uh, Fate's Warning. And the Hanson Brothers, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Canada uh, punk rock uh, punks or puck, puck rock punks. And uh, so then uh, they recorded uh, three cover songs, uh, Bomber, which is uh, a song by Motorhead, and then also uh, two different versions of Livewire by ACDC. Just in case you didn't like the first one, you got a you got a second one. Yeah, and uh, it says well, the here, second one I think was just the Hanson Brothers, right? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I the, see that it now. was like maybe like uh, the the B side of the B side. <laughs> I don't know, but yeah, no the <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, so I'm looking at the back of the the CD. And yeah. it says uh, it's it. This is noted. So the first version is the one of uh, the bomber with uh, all his buddies, and then the second is the live wire. And then underneath, in brackets, it says performed by the Hanson Brothers only. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then, uh, then shortly thereafter, uh, he was. Uh, it says here he was traded to the New York Islanders, and he has no further uh recordings to his resume mm, okay you know? so it was a, a los angeles thing mm-hmm. you know when you well at that time it's the late 80s uh you know heavy metal hair metal was kind of at its peak mm-hmm. and so but but there's a great photo of him in his islanders uniform sitting in a snowbank with a guitar and what looks like an uh, a bottle of New York Islanders apple juice. Uh, <laughs> and uh, he's got his full hockey gear on, his skates and everything. And um, yeah, he's got a sweet headband on. And, he's holding uh, on an, an electric guitar. Yeah. Uh, other, uh, the, the other kind of uh, sort of interesting uh, thing about Ken Baumgartner is that, um, so he played in the WHL, played for the Prince Albert Raiders, uh, for three seasons, uh, during those three seasons, he uh, he played uh, 187 games and put up 732 minutes in penalties. <laughs> but he was also selected to the league's all scholastic team and won a Memorial Cup in 1985. So the bomber, 
uh, throughout his playing career, attended Hofstra University during the offseason where he earned a degree in business and finance. And then while he was with the uh, the Leafs, he was elected vice president of the NHL Players Association, played a big role in establishing the collective bargaining agreement that uh, that was forged between the PA and 94, uh, 95. That was strike or lockout year, was it? Yeah, not? it was coming coming out of a coming off a strike or a lockout. And then there's been after- a few and I can't keep them all straight. But uh, yeah, so and- I mean, like. For a guy known for uh, punching his, his way to the big leagues, he's yeah, he's pretty smart guy. And if guy. you Google him now, yeah, uh, you're like, you know, you Google Ken Baumgartner, you get the picture of him with the guitar, you get the all the flow and everything like that. But if you Google like Ken Baumgartner today, you get mm-hmm. like his LinkedIn, and he's like some uh, money man in Boston, Mass, is where he calls home these days, I believe. Yeah, well, and so after his his so he he retired as a player. He coached with the Bruins as an assistant in 99-2000 and then uh left hockey, went to Harvard and got an MBA through hmm. uh through a program at Harvard University and uh then, you know, like as, as you said, he became money man. I wonder if he was at Harvard when Matt Damon was there. Hard to say. Maybe they were buddies. <laughs> Hey, 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 bomber! You like apples? How you like them apples? <laughs> yeah. Nah. Uh yeah, he's a beauty, and he's uh, he's a Manitoba guy. Uh, yeah. And and as I mentioned, uh, who else is it, from Flin Flon? Bobby Clark. Bobby Isn't he Clark. from Flin Flon? Bobby Clark. Yes, yes, he is. Uh, way back when, the first year that I played uh, played beer league at the. Uh, Canland. It was called. I think it was called the Ice Sports Plex. The Highlander. The the Highlander it was called the Highlander. I played on a team with Ken Baumgartner's brother. And what, what's I, his brother's name? I can't remember. Okay. Well, hey there, bro. <laughs> <laughs> but as you can imagine, once we found out that uh, he was uh, Ken Baumgartner's brothers, we asked him way too many questions. I'm sure. Yeah. 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 But uh other NHL players that played uh played uh obviously Bobby Clark, he's kind of the most famous, uh the bomber. Um Kim Davis and Dean Evison, the current coach oh, yeah. of the Minnesota Wild. He's from Flip Flon. I believe so. Yes, he is. Okay. Yeah. Um I I just remembered, sorry, uh while I asked uh, what was his name. I just want to make a, a correction from last episode. It's mm-hmm. not even a correction because we we didn't get anything wrong, but we didn't know the name of the guy that we called Twirly Mustache, number three Twirly Mustache, the, <laughs> yeah. guy, who's, the guy who scored, scored the, the OT winner of the Garage League final. final. Uh, so goaltender and listener, friend of the show, Fletch Noonan, mm-hmm. Um, of the winning team, the failed skates, he uh, he heard the episode and and messaged and said, uh, "Twirly mustache is <laughs> yeah. his name is Shane Mason." So Shane, if you're listening to this week's show, uh, how you doing? Nice goal, <laughs> great stash, great yeah, stash, yeah, exactly. It's, it's so cool... anyway, yeah. that just sorry, just reminded me when you were like, "What's uh, Baumgartner's brother's name?" I don't know. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Um, the bomber, yeah. Uh, so we, you, you kind of ran down his stats: twelve years, just shy of seven hundred games, just over fifty points, and just north of twenty two hundred penalty minutes. <laughs> so, um, not not known for putting the puck in the net, but you know, like I said, and I'll I'll share some of these pictures on on our Instagram. He's got he had a great head of hair. <laughs> and in the and 90s i mean isn't that what t- it's all about but, well yeah and he used to tuck it under the the the, the old uh, the gretzky jofa lid yeah uh, i'm looking here at the back of a score hockey card from 89 90 and it says ken 
a catalyst for the Islanders with his muscle and aggressive style, completed his third season in 89-90. He's averaged 232 minutes a year in penalties during his three seasons. Quote, if it gets ugly on the ice and that's what it takes to win, then so be it, says Ken. Gotta love it. I mean, those are the guys you want on your team. And it's not like he was the biggest guy in an era when um, there were a lot of big dudes, you know, in the, in the late eighties, early nineties and throughout the nineties, it was, you know, you, there, there were some heavyweights out there and, and Ken, I mean, he was not small No, listed, uh, according to hockeyreference.com, listed at six, one, 205 pounds. Yeah. So, um, there's you know, lots I- of lots of heavyweights, and if you Google, go to YouTube, Google Ken Baumgartner and fight, and uh, there there is some uh, <laughs> there's some tilts, some yeah. good footage, good footage. Yeah. Lots. It was a it was a golden era of uh, fighters uh, yeah. in in the league at that point. So uh, <laughs> you know. I don't necessarily endorse that sort of thing, but it is sure fun it's, to watch. It's fun to look back <laughs> on. Yeah, it's a different era of hockey now. Nowadays, mm-hmm. I mean, um, just speaking of like watching the uh, the Jets game on Saturday against Nashville, Brendan Dillon throws a body check. I mean, there's hardly any body checks in the NHL anymore, it seems like. But every time there is one, you got to fight a guy about it. And mm-hmm. um one of the things that, and maybe we'll get into this in the second segment of the show, but uh, one of the things that came out of the GM meetings that I read about was maybe they the league's got to look at you know enforcing the um, the penalty. Uh, what do you call that penalty? The instigator penalty mm-hmm. um, to cut down on these fights after every single clean body check. So we'll get yep. into that in the second period. But right now we got to throw two. One of these songs that we Kenny gotta, Baumgartner. I think, I think we got to play the bomber. Yeah, the yeah. namesake tune, the name, yeah. the A side, A side yeah. wins. <laughs> yes. Um. So yeah, without any further ado, on talking hockey, the hockey talking show. Here is Ken Baumgartner with friends, uh, with a Motorhead cover of Bomber. <laughs> Right, that was Bomber by Ken Baumgartner, uh, noted number 22. He wore 22 for most of his career. Uh, and uh, yeah, so we're going to move on from talking the Bomber. Uh, and we're going to kind of get into a little bit of, uh, I don't know if it's rumors or speculation or whatever, but there's been a lot of noise on the internet lately and some articles written about it and all that about uh, NHL expansion and or relocation. And specifically, I've been hearing about Atlanta as a, as a location for this. Cause Third it's worked. Time- Cause it's worked yeah. so well before. Third time's the charm, I guess. I mean, look, don't put it past the NHL because this is a league where, um, you know, they have allowed the Phoenix coyotes to continue in their existence uh, even though they now play out, a, they're like you know a league subsidy team or whatever, and they now play out of 
a 5,000 seat college arena, which they don't even sell out. I don't think mm-hmm. so, you know, whatever, uh, <laughs> don't put it past them, but yeah, we're going to get in on this rumors and speculation and, uh, hearsay and, um, you know, so, so the thing, I mean, I, I guess I understand to a certain extent right now we've got what 32 32 teams 32 teams with the addition of the two most recent vegas and seattle vegas paid five million dollars 500 million 500 million yeah sorry uh (laughs) and then 500 i mean five million is still a lot of money five million you know uh and then seattle paid 600 650 million now putting a team in vegas makes a lot of logistical sense putting a team in seattle makes a ton of logistical sense because in both regards they were at that time the second major league franchise to come to that market you know uh the vegas las vegas raiders were uh were up and running and the seattle mariners were up and running now well they got the seahawks in seattle oh yeah well. i guess seahawks too right but the, right, in right. vegas the raiders didn't come until after the vegas golden vegas knights, knights started right? so it was like maybe it was agreed upon that the the raiders yeah. were going to yeah. la or to um they were uh, building vegas. they were building the stadium right now so first 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 order of business do you think because you watch a lot of hockey you talk a lot of hockey do you think the nhl needs more teams no <laughs> i do not think that i mean if anything i would say like i mean it's never going to happen because everybody's got so much money invested in it all but like they could shed two teams go back down to 30 uh, you know mm-hmm. you know on the one hand yeah sure like 32 is a fine number i got no problem with it but like i think that the the pool of talent as far as mm-hmm. players goes is is richer than ever you know mm-hmm. there's more hockey players from all over the world uh mm-hmm. you know maybe excluding asia and africa and south america you know like places where i don't know that yeah sure they're playing hockey in in uh, bangkok thailand but like it's probably all expat canadians and stuff right um but uh you know throughout europe you're seeing the emergence of some countries like Germany really, you know, uh, becoming, I wouldn't say a hockey powerhouse as far as their national team, but they've made a lot of strides and they're producing a lot more players these days. Um, And then, you know, America uh, has really kind of exponentially grown the game in their own country as far as like the amount of, players they're producing so the the talent and the depth of talent is there to to be able to support 32 professional teams in the highest league in the world Um, right but 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 is it is it really well that's the thing is like i don't know maybe like you know there's a debate to be had about that i think and i think i've fallen on the side of like oh it's kind of like, like, I think I was just playing devil's advocate a moment ago, trying to convince <laughs> myself that it's fine. Sure. Um, so if, if the NHL was to expand by, you would have to think that if they were going to expand, they would expand by two teams to keep it an even number. So go from 32 yeah. to, to 34. Yeah. Um, that would mean that just to get 24 players per roster, which is the typical, uh starting lineup right 816 nhl quality players i think you can get to that number but then when you start to think about stocking the farm systems mm-hmm. uh that's where it starts to get a little bit greasy and and this is what happened i think the last time that there was kind of massive expansion when anaheim and was it Anaheim and Columbus San and, and San Jose and Tampa, um, Nashville, Florida, Nashville. Like that. I mean, Tampa, San Jose, Anaheim was early 90s, right? And then mm-hmm. Nashville, Columbus, Minnesota. They came, came around back. 2000 or whatever. Yeah. See, I think that 
at all points when there has been sort of expansion on top of expansion on top of expansion, the sort of second and second or third wave um, has caused a lot of parity. It's caused the product to be watered down and it's caused issues like what you saw the last time the league went to Atlanta. And at the end of the day, right? Like, Winnipeg hockey fans aren't complaining about that last move because it meant that the Jets ended up coming back here. But I think that if you're trying to break into those big Southern markets, which always seems to be where Gary Bettman is looking is you have to put an entertaining product on the ice. Now, obviously the last two uh, situations in Vegas and in Seattle, there has been kind of a roadmap that's been developed to building a competitive team right very, off the hop. Yeah. Very, no more, very quickly. No more uh, California golden seals or whatever, where it's no. like, you know, or even those, those early nineties expansion. Oh yeah. The teams. San Jose sharks were terrible in their first several sharks seasons. were terrible. Tampa was terrible. Ottawa yeah. was terrible. Florida Panthers, Florida were, Panthers yeah. were terrible. Although it, Florida did get to the cup final in what? 96. Yeah, 96, against, I think. Was it against Colorado? They got swept against Colorado. Yeah, Scott um, Scott Mellonby in the it was like the, a, a, the rubber rats. I remember yeah, it that. Yeah, was a it was a Cinderella run. They yeah. they certainly weren't expected to uh, do that. But I mean that yeah, like the 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 model for building a successful expansion team has definitely changed. And you know what? Like if that's what it takes to help a market, you know, do you know claim a team and whatever then Mm -hmm. hey that's fine i guess but you know i just don't see like uh, like what like uh, okay atlanta's a big it's the big apple of the south right correct uh, it's it's a big market but i mean it has failed there twice before what makes this any different and i get it everybody's always like oh well it was the ownership last time um so what like it doesn't who cares you know like fans you either you get the hockey team you go to the games you support the team whatever who cares who owns it i don't know Mm -hmm. it just it's just a uh i I don't see why the nhl would go back to atlanta well for the third time unless they unless it's to eventually move that team to quebec city so this is and this is it right is the NHL under the Gary Bettman uh, regime seems to have this infatuation with growing the game in pockets of the U.S. where think, the game isn't a traditional thing, right? Exactly, because I think when you look at it and you're like, okay, well, in Canada, everybody already loves hockey, you know, right. and in Minnesota and like the northern states, Michigan, whatever, people love hockey. Mm-hmm. Where is a fully untapped hockey market where all of a sudden, hey, we could create, you know, a hundred thousand new hockey fans just like that, you know? Well, and, and so this seems is... like there are places like, you know, the the South, you know. Right. And so but but I think that you know, the problem that exists is in a lot of those southern markets you're competing against not only the NBA, the NFL, in some instances major league baseball, um but you're also competing against things like NASCAR, yeah. right, which is well, huge. Well, college football and college football, right? And so all of a sudden you bring in this professional team, great, but it's fifth or sixth down the pecking order already. And you're trying to introduce a game to uh, fans that aren't super familiar with the game. Now, that being said, obviously, hockey has, as you mentioned, expanded all over the place in the in the U.S. And you're seeing a lot of players um, who grew up in warm weather markets Guys like, uh, obviously, Austin Matthews, right? He came from the hockey hotbed of of Arizona. Um, Mm -hmm. You're getting guys from Texas. You're getting guys from Florida. And, you know, it's not quite like it was when the 
uh, Gretzky went to the Kings, right? Where there was like three or four arenas available and ice was at a premium. So even though there was all this buzz because the greatest hockey player in the world at that time was coming to the market, there wasn't an opportunity then to introduce kids to the game. So it, it'll it be interesting. So uh, yeah, the infrastructure is more in place now. Plus also with television, mm-hmm, internet, mm-hmm. Etc. It's not like the '90s or 1988, to be honest. When Gretzky went to LA, right now, where it was like, um, you know, people are aware of, you know, even if you live in Albuquerque, New Mexico, Mm -hmm. you probably, you know, you're aware of hockey. You've seen it. You know, Mm -hmm. maybe you don't follow it because (laughs) Albuquerque, New Mexico. I don't think it's quite a hockey hotbed, but you know, like let's say, you know, um, people in well, you know, Nashville's been a real success story. It was not sure. a hockey town, and now I it is. It but, is, but Nashville also doesn't have any other professional sports franchise. Don't they have the football team there, the um, Tennessee Titans? That's in Nashville, I'm pretty sure. Are they in Nashville? I think so. Yeah, pretty ninety ninety nine percent sure that that's where the Titans play out of. All um, right. Well, I probably don't, I probably a... should have researched this. <laughs> But they don't have an NBA team. No, they they don't have an MLB team. So right. it's the, your two teams. You got the Titans and the and the Preds. Right. Now their seasons do overlap. But, they do, you know, but the but the NFL football, is once a once, once a, a week, week, right? And it's you know what do you get nine home games, ten home games, maybe something like that. Yeah, so, usually eight and eight. Yeah, yeah. So so uh a guy who i i mean i think i think it would be safe to say that eric dehachik the longtime sports uh sports writer hockey writer here in canada who is who's a pretty knowledgeable knowledgeable guy little smarter mm. than maybe you or i you know not selling us short but um <laughs> he's got he's tapped in he's got lots of opinions and so he wrote this great art- article for the athletic on if the nhl expands here are the six most likely destinations. And okay. so I just wanted to bounce Let's a couple of these Who's off it? you. Yeah. So number one for him is Houston, Houston, Texas. And he says yeah. for a couple of different reasons, it's the fourth largest city in the U.S. by population following only New York, L.A. and Chicago. It would be a natural rival for Dallas. And they have a pretty interesting uh, and somewhat underrated hockey history because uh, I mean, the Houston all... Arrows where Gordy Howe played with yeah. his sons so... Mark and Marty and Marty. Yes. And so uh, there's the WHA tie. There's always been some sort of minor pro. And um, they interviewed a guy named Rich Preston who played for the Arrows with the Howes. Uh, and he said that during that time, Houston was one of the favorite stops for the league. And so hmm. what what the Hatchick uh, posits here is that if the NHL ever pulled out of the whole Arizona situation, that Houston would be the perfect spot to put that. Yeah, they've got and, a rink there called the Toyota Center, whether or not it's NHL worthy. But mm-hmm. I think that might be where the basketball team plays out of. Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Th- which is the what are they called again? Rockets, the Houston, Houston Rockets. Rockets. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, oh, yeah. And space, right? Arrows, Rockets, Houston. We have a problem. It's all coming together, Jared. Yeah, <laughs> the Astros. Um, they uh, could, I mean, they could be the Oilers of the South. You know, yeah. it's a real oil town. I have no problem with Houston. Um, I think Houston would would actually because Houston Houston is a major league city. Yeah. Obviously. Why don't they just move Phoenix to Houston? That's what I'm saying. Makes, makes perfect sense. Uh, Atlanta is the one that we've been talking about. Now, obviously, we both kind of laugh because it's just like, oh, yeah, okay, so third time's the charm. The original yeah. team uh, moved to Calgary. Uh, the Thrashers, of course, are your Winnipeg Jets now. Uh, yeah. The whole rationale for why Atlanta should get a third shot at this is the population uh eighth overall in the u.s atlanta is also the headquarters to uh the third largest co- uh, collection of fortune 500 companies coca-cola in the US. baby 
Coca-Cola, Delta Airlines, Home Depot. Fox News. Oh. Isn't that Atlanta? Uh, Probably. Rupert Murf- Murdoch or whatever? Murdoch, yeah. yeah. Uh, but it is also the headquarters of TNT, one of oh, yeah. well, the new to... broadcast partners for the yeah. NHL, right? So I don't I'm know. I'm not saying that the third time wouldn't work. Uh, and maybe like uh, somebody on Reddit was yelling at me one day about the ownership being the mm-hmm. problem of the previous installment with the Thrashers. Maybe you get the proper owners, mm-hmm. you get a rink in a good spot, a nice rink people like to go to, blah, blah, blah. You put a competitive team on the ice right away. It catches on. People are going, sure, make it happen. But I'm just I'm just jaded. I'm a jaded Canadian hockey fan who would rather see a team in Quebec City or something like that. So, you know. Exactly. <laughs> Which brings us to, to well, me. The, 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 you got the third that was Houston, Atlanta, and there was one more American one, didn't you say? Oh, can I, the, can I guess before you say what it is? Sure. Can I just take a, I'm just going to guess. Yeah. Um, okay. I'm going to guess that, okay, where it's going to, oh, man, where should I say? You know what? I'm going to go. Well, you're going to guess. I'm not going to do your yeah, guess I know, for you. I know, I know, Plus, I, know. I also know the answer. I'm going to say Kansas City. Oh, look at the big brain on Tommy. That's yes, right. Oh. Kansas City. Former Which home they of the had a team City before scouts, the scouts. Yeah. They only lasted for two years, and now where they're the they, New Jersey Devils. Yeah, while well, they went to Denver, they became the Rockies. Oh, the Rockies, yeah, great uniforms for the Rockies. Really, love them. Really, nice. love them. Yeah, uh, but Kansas City has a venue. Uh, they would be kind of a natural rival to Dallas. Would be a natural rival, obviously, St. to Louis. the St. Louis Blues. Yeah. Uh, the only thing is that Kansas City isn't a huge huge market in the way that Atlanta and uh Houston yeah. is. Yeah. Like the whole thing about that being this big market though. Like I mean Nashville's not a big market, you know, like no. uh St. Louis probably, you know, like they're sure they're big, but I mean um you know, Kansas is probably at least as big as St. Louis and and, and Can- uh, Kansas City, the only game in town there is the football team. Chiefs, so, yeah. Yeah. They don't um, have an MLB team, do they? Oh, yeah, they do. The Kansas City Yeah, Royals. the Royals. There you go. <laughs> like, Just not good. Not yeah. good with the research today. Yeah. Um, so then the obvious, and you mentioned it, is the Quebec Quebec City. Yeah, and... they've got Centre Videotron or whatever it's called sitting there. Brand spanking new arena. It's not so brand spanking new anymore. They built it in, what, 17 or yes. 15 or some, some something like that. And... uh you know, it's uh, it's a nice new arena. Uh, was they... built in built in 2015, 2016. Yeah. Because uh, they wanted to dip in when Vegas got their team. And then yeah. they applied again when Seattle got their team. Now, I grew up a fan of the Quebec Nordique. And yep. uh, I would love to see Quebec back in the NHL. I mean, obviously, the rivalry with uh, Montreal was so cool yeah. uh, growing up. Um, the problem is, and this is what ticks me off, is that I don't think Gary Bettman wants to expand in Canada no. because uh, the idea uh, that the Canadian dollar sucks, which, you know, let's be fair, sometimes it kind of does. And he doesn't want to put another team in the East. Now, Quebec would make the most sense for me. Yeah. Uh, well, Atlanta would be in the East if they got a team and he would probably go there. No problem. He'd be like, yeah. Oh, we'll make it work. You yeah, know? exactly. Uh, the other ideas that were kind of uh, thrown out in this, in this article uh, were putting a second team in Toronto, which, you know, if I'm, if I'm honest though, if Canada ever gets another team, which it would be nice to have a round number. We've got seven teams now. Is that that's the one probably that, the most the one that succeeds? Yeah, the most likely. I mean, Metro GTA is is like you know, but eight million or whatever, and like. But 
I guess the the inherent problem that I see there is how do you convince the Leafs? People, yeah, people who are have grown up Leafs fans their entire life. Hey, let's go follow this other team. Like, yeah. and I don't know what the the hockey market is like in Toronto. Maybe there are lots of people there who hate the Leafs. Maybe there yeah. are people who are frustrated by the fact that they've they are perpetually disappointing. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, the other interesting one, and I wanted to get your take on this is because this is a place that's near and dear to your heart is Halifax. I don't think it would work there for a couple of reasons. Um, one being corporate sponsorship. Mm -hmm. I just don't think that they have, I mean, you know what they could, they could pull enough together to have Mm -hmm. that, but, um, so it's a hockey loving city, no doubt about it, as any place in Canada really is. Mm-hmm. And I have no doubt that they would get support and and all that. But so the the Mooseheads are the QMJHL team there, and they routinely have one of the highest attendances in all of Canadian junior hockey. Mm-hmm. Um, Just put on a real successful World Junior Hockey tournament yeah, there, and so the the current rink in downtown Halifax it's called I mean nowadays I think it's called the Scotia Bank Center, Center. whatever yes yeah um too small it, it's it's always been for me it's always been um the Metro Center that right. was what it was called when I was growing up the home of the you know the uh, Nova Scotia Voyageur and the the uh Halifax Citadels um mm-hmm. and stuff like that and yeah it's too small and it's old so yep. they would need a new rink. Yeah. One thing about Halifax that maybe outsiders don't understand is the politics there. And they will never agree in a timely fashion to do anything, let alone spend millions and millions of dollars on a new downtown rink. Unless. Like it will, it'll take like 30 years for them to agree to build a rink. Right. They're still, and... those, they're still arguing about a CFL stadium, whether or not they should build that. And that's been a 30-year debate. Right. So. And so. You know, uh, not to, you know, pour water on the the whole East Coast, because I think it would be really cool to put a team in the Maritimes. Oh, Um, it would be, you know, because it's uh, I think the whole Maritimes would support it, too. Right. You know, which is which is the argument that they made for the CFL team. Yeah. yeah. And the Uh, CFL would be easier because, again, it's like one home game a week or mm -hmm. not a week you know, yeah. every other week or whatever it is. Whereas the NHL, you got 42, 41 home games. Um, can you sell enough season tickets? And in can Halifax? you, can you then, get people coming? Well, from... exactly. Like from Moncton, which is a two plus hour drive. Um, you're going to need people from coming from there and from the rest of the province, right. which is doable. People would do it, but not 41 times a year. They wouldn't. Um, no. You know. No, and so at the end of the article, he kind of pours pours a little water on this, and he says, "It's likelier that the NHL will consider expanding to Europe <laughs> before yeah. they would consider the Canadian Maritimes, uh, or that it would probably require expanding up to forty teams, where you could get to the point that you could make a reasonable case for a team in this region." However, he does mention. There's some pretty great hockey players that have been ambassadors for the game uh, the last, uh, you know, 10, 15 years. Sidney Crosby, Nathan McKinnon, Brad Marchand, who are from this area, yeah. who might well, it, be interested in investing and bringing it to the market. Well, sure. They, that's a, they might be. You never know. I mean, um, it'd be... Uh, so Sidney Crosby's actually invested quite a bit in hockey in in Halifax. He's mm-hmm. he, he there's a new pro level training facility, and by new I mean like since you know the last ten plus years or whatever, mm-hmm. and like that kind of stuff just never existed there. Mm-hmm. But you know Crosby put some money into this. I forget what it's called. It's uh it's in Bedford, I think. But uh you know that's where he trains in the summer. Mm-hmm. Um and and there's a whole whole bunch of maritime guys like Drake Batherson of the uh, Ottawa Sens and Nate McKinnon and uh, Graves who plays for the, uh, the devils and oh, all these Graves. guys. Yep. Um, but yeah, that's uh it's an interesting thought, but I 
don't know. I, I think you're likelier to see a team in Atlanta than you are to see a team sadly uh, in Canada again. Sadly, but, let's bring back the Quebec Nordiques. Yeah, exactly. So, uh-huh. well, well, let's, let's play move song. on. Yeah, yeah. Let's do yeah. It. All right. So, so uh, we're gonna go to uh, shoot. What song are we playing right now? DOA. <laughs> We're right, play, yes, uh, Donnie Brook. Uh, yeah. yeah. Let's go with Donnie Brook by DOA on Talking Hockey, the Hockey Talking Show. That was Donnybrook by DOA, Canadian punk rock legends. Go back in our archives and listen to the episode we did with uh, Joey Poophead Keithley. <laughs> Just keeping it PG for the for the kids out there. Uh, yeah, we recorded an episode with him. Uh, I believe that was last season, season four. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, go through our archives, uh, umfm.com slash talking hockey show, something like that. Google it. You'll find it. Uh, Jared? You were off to the Safeway earlier in the week, and we were messaging, and I said, hey, pick me up a box of the Tavares Recipe 91 or whatever. Yeah, so um, this has been a running joke for a while. Yeah. <laughs> so, I see it, and I send it to you, because yeah, it yeah. seems to be Whenever perpetu- it's on sale, <laughs> which is perpe- Which is perpetually. Yeah, and you know what? It's like for uh, for a... Uh, 40-year-old uh, guy, that's uh, that's the kind of cereal we're looking for. It's like granola crunch. It's a little bit sweet. There's a couple chocolate chips in there, I think. And uh, hey, I didn't mind it. Uh, granola? And then I, I would eat it before going to play some beer league hockey, and I really felt like Johnny T out there, you know? So it's uh, granola, dried blueberries, yeah. coconut flakes, and oh, dark yeah. and dark chocolate. Yeah. And all all proceeds from the sale of the cereal go to the Tavares Foundation, which helps kids understand proper nutrition, tr- nutrition, and living a healthy lifestyle. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm doing it for the kids, so yeah. that's why I eat Recipe 91. <laughs> but <laughs> so so uh, anyway, this got us kind of thinking about uh, some of the hilarious um, and cringy. Uh, NHL player product endorsements and that kind of thing that that mm-hmm. have you know been over the years. So in addition to to the recipe ninety one, you you know they they've also got March Munch, which is Brad Marchand's uh, sugary cereal. Yeah. Of course, a bit of a throwback to the Pro Stars, uh, which Wayne Gretzky and maybe Yeri Curry even. Um, was, was Curry in on the Pro Stars? I feel like he might have been. Um, he definitely was doing, every, doing everything that Gretzky was doing back then. Yeah, so. yeah. And um, well, I looked into this, and I'll tell you, 
lots of NHL, lots of regional serials available. Oh, and sure. and they all seem to follow one of three patterns. Yeah, you, yeah. you've got your Pro Stars clone, uh, as endorsed by uh, Steve Eiserman and his Stevie Stars in 1998. Mm. Uh, you've got your um, O-shaped cereal. So we had uh, Hull Hull O's. Brett Hull O's. Yeah, <laughs> I kind of remember those. Yeah, you had OVOs. You had Oshio's, uh, all seem to be takes on uh, uh, Honey Nut Cheerios or the Sergey Fedorov version, my personal favorite, Fedorov Crunch, which looks, which looks to be Fruit Loops. Yeah. And and then uh, lots of cereal called uh, Crunch. So there's McKinnon Crunch, which is a a frosted flake. Mm. There there is Ryan Miller's kick save crunch also oh, I love a kick save crunch <laughs> also also frosted flakes and uh flurry flakes uh yeah. from uh mark andre flurry well and there was like also going back to the cfl flakes. there was the flutie flakes and the yeah. fantoos flakes as well which uh you know were hits uh regionally the yeah. same company that did the tavares 91s or whatever they're called and, mm-hmm. and that kind of thing so the other thing that kind of got me thinking about this is there's a brand new like iPhone commercial that's airing on TV right now with PK Subban and Joe Thornton. Yes. I don't know if you've seen that one, but they're out there in the dark with their new iPhone 14s with their prolonged battery life and whatever. Looking and for a looking, missing They're tooth. looking in the snowbank or uh, uh, on the lake or whatever for uh, a missing tooth. Um, and uh, anyway, it's, it just kind of... Um, you see a lot of NHL player endorsements doing like cars. You know, you mm-hmm. got your Mark Shifley, Wah, Kia, whatever, or Hyundai or whatever it is. You got, um, and then regionally, like car dealerships, you know, that's always kind of been a staple of the NHL player. Um, mm-hmm. But you see, you're seeing more um, varied products nowadays, I think, with NHL. Like there's, a lot of insurance ones like sonnet insurance Mm -hmm. these kind of ones but it got me thinking of some of my favorite classics and i just want to i just want to uh share a couple of them with you so the maurice the rocket richard grecian formula this this commercial ran like all the time during during years during hockey night in canada yeah and it's it's maurice richard um he's He's uh, wearing, he's like the referee uh, mm-hmm. at this, whatever. He drops the puck, but as he goes up to drop the puck, he's like, I use uh, the Grecian Formula 16 and I keep a little bit of gray because my wife likes it. <laughs> and, then, like, <laughs> and then the trainer or the coach on the bench, he calls him over and he's like, hey, Richard, two minutes for looking so good. And that's like the best line, obviously, but uh that's a great commercial. And I it mean, is... that one ran all through the eighties. I think mm-hmm. like it was on forever. Um, there's, there's a, a classic. Uh, so Canada dry ginger ale with Ron Hextall. Uh, this one came out in the late eighties. Mm-hmm. So Hextall was the uh, Stanley cup MVP con mm-hmm. Smythe winner, even though the flyers lost one of two players to do that. Both yep. players are Manitobans. Hextall mm-hmm. and Reggie Leach, I think, was the other guy, yep. I think, right? And um, anyway, <laughs> the, the line, the classic line in the, the Canada Dry one, it, it's it's Hextall taking a bunch of shots, and then he chugs some ginger ale, and he's like, ah, you don't have to be sweet to be good. Because, of course, Hextall, not a sweetie on the ice. Uh, not at all. Do you think Jordan Binnington has a poster of Ron Hextall above his bed? I don't know what's going on with Jordan Binnington, but that that was amazing this week. And and I love the fact that Flurry like yeah. went down there and yeah and kind of shut him up. Yeah, yeah. I don't like Jordan Binnington much. No, not a yeah. Binnington fan. But <laughs> no, I mean he's kind yeah. of losing it a little yeah. bit. He's yeah. off his rocker. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and then, of course, Wayne Gretzky, you were mentioning before we recorded today, 
he did GWG jeans or whatever. GWG jeans, which I don't think so many anymore. So many products. Pro stars. He did big, big safety razors. What would be your favorite all time ad with a player in it that you can remember off the top of your head? Do you have one that you can think of? Oh, yeah, there was uh, in the Winnipeg. So when you would go to Jets game, you used to always buy the program. It's kind of sad. You can't buy the game day like you can't buy the game day program anymore. And there was a great like throughout the 80s, a great Winnipeg Jets uh, seven up ad that was in the program and it was all the boys kicking back after the game having a seven up and it was it was dale howard chuck and it was laurie boshman and scott arneal um i want to say babich dave babich might have been there might have been dave ellett there was like five or six of them and then there was an another one a poster of daniel berthume and Pokey Reddick called oh, Pokey and the Bandit. Pokey and the Bandit. I think it was advertising Classic. maybe 7-Eleven. 7-Eleven, I'm pretty yeah, sure. It was yeah, the only place you could get it was 7-Eleven. Um, yeah, you know, it's it's always uh the, that sort of stuff is fun and it doesn't doesn't really get done anymore. I mm. don't know. Yeah, I want to see more fun. I don't know. It's it's always interesting. Like get Ken Baumgartner recording versions of <laughs> you know motorhead songs like who's doing that in the nhl these days come on nobody nobody yeah let's get Uh, it going let's let's get it going and i mean i think we gotta get going we're out of time we're running out of time but we'll mention my one last uh one of my favorite ads that um like i don't remember this airing but like uh just just going through like the archives lanny mcdonald and brian glenny for hungry man dinners i watched that while you while you were uh it's uh it's off frame yes it is quite good brian glenny tears the uh door off the freezer (laughs) (laughs) and you know what like these guys were great hockey players not so good on the acting and no. it was a little wooden. That's what but that's, that's where the what charm makes it is. so good. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Definitely. So. Definitely. Uh all right, so we right, got well, a big big banger to close on. Yes. Yes, we do. It's from so you know, hockey promotions and uh, hockey players doing music and stuff. This one is Gila Fleur. And he put out a disco record in what year would this come out? Seventy nine? Oh, Something uh, like that. Yeah. I, I would so. I would guess late seventies, maybe into nineteen eighty kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a disco album. I don't know. Do you have it in front of you? What's it? What's it actually called? I don't have. It's it in just front called Gila Fleur. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so I uh, sorry. It's called La Fleur, and it yeah. came out in nineteen seventy nine. Good call. Good there call. Go. Well, that's the height of the disco era, right? So yeah. Um, yeah. This one's good. This track we're going to play, it's called Scoring. <laughs> so here it is on Talking Hockey, the Hockey Talking Show. Thanks for listening, folks. Uh, tune in next week. We'll have another show for you, as always. And uh, yeah, keep your stick on the ice while you enjoy this disco tune by Guy Lafleur. mastered a good shot you must learn when to use it it's important when you practice your shots to always shoot towards the target control of any shot comes from a close or open blade to keep the shot low close the blade and to shoot it high all you have to do is open the blade remember that backhand shots are more difficult because of the curved stick Attacking a goaltender, never carry the puck in front of you because he knows you cannot shoot from that position. The goalie takes one look, he reads deke or pass, and he backs up. Don't tell him what you're gonna do, don't give him the additional advantage. 
Scoring goal is tough enough without giving the goalie the edge. Carry the puck beside you. Now you have him guessing. Then, if the goalie backs up to the crease, shoot. If he stays out, deek. The attacker always has to react to the goalie's position. This is why freedom of thought at high speed is so important. At 35 miles per hour, with two or three guys chasing me, I have about a quarter of a second to look, analyze, and react. So you should never predetermine what you're gonna do. You've got to be able to think on the spot.